This podcast was recorded Thursday, February 2nd at 10.39 a.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear it. Yeah, like now that Ohio's groundhog has seen his shadow, fans of an early spring will claim the event was rigged and demand an investigation. They might have a case because we never saw Buckeye Chuck this year because of a PETA request. The radio station in Marion, WMRN, used a stuffed groundhog and just reported that Chuck saw his shadow. Fake news. I think we need a special counsel. Let's talk politics. This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters or shrewd politicians who get wiretapped about one crime and accidentally reveal a much bigger one. I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson. That's what prosecutors say happened in the Larry Householder bribery case. Anyway, coming up in the podcast, J.D. Vance quickly returns the favor. J.D. Vance forgot about him somehow. But first, for the third time as governor and the first time in his second term, Mike DeWine delivered his State of the State address on Tuesday, and he focused on the home front. It's a budget that focuses on our people, on our families, and our children. Mike DeWine wants to eliminate the sales taxes on infant supplies like diapers, wipes, and car seats. He wants to give parents a $2,500 tax credit for each child. He wants to give $5,000 scholarships to high school students in the top 5% of their class to attend an Ohio public university. For Ohio to be the best state in the nation to raise a family, we must do everything we can to better support families. But it goes on. He wants to allow more families to get vouchers to attend private schools all the way up to $111,000 a year for a family of four. The governor also wants to increase state investments to treat and prevent mental illness. We must do more. We must not accept that mental illness and addiction are inevitable. His plan would also increase police de-escalation training and pay for more police body cams. He wants to spend money to prepare land for other parts of the state to land their own Intel-like projects. Lots lots of spending in this state of the state and the budget, which he released a day later. My main takeaway is that Mike DeWine is a family man. How many times did he say the word family? Yes. Drink every time he says family. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's Mike DeWine. He wants to focus on kids and education and, and mental health and, and things like that. He avoided any, any uh, tough issues, really. And it was what we expected, and now we wait the details. It came out in the budget. How are we going to pay for it? But um, how are we going to pay for it? And this is just the first step in the long process. Yeah, uh, we can talk more about lawmaker reaction on, on both sides here in just a minute. But, I mean, it was not controversial really in any way. The Ed Choice part was, but I, this is – it's pomp and circumstance. I mean, he, he, there was, was news, obviously, because he used this to unveil the budget for the most part. But, I mean, other than that, it's – it's almost a campaign event, if you will. I mean, it's it's really just it's very visual. It's 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 just feel good vibes. The whole yeah, time. and you know the Ohio State House needs need some feel good vibes. There's a lot of tension down there, and I think you know talking to people who were at the speech, not reporters, but you know partisans who were at the speech, they were saying it was just a it was a good speech. It was a positive speech. It wasn't terribly divisive. It was basically things that everyone could agree on, and you know given the the turmoil with the speakership and the control of the House Republicans, it was it was it was it was welcome, I think, at the State House, even though it really wasn't from a from a bold standpoint, it wasn't anything huge. No, I mean maybe the only thing I was a little surprised by was his funding for uh, you know, pretty pretty mild, pretty modest police reforms to 
increase funding for de-escalation training and um, and to pay for more police body cameras. Those, I, I think everyone is pretty much on board with body cameras now. There was some some pushback at first that people sort of tried to couch as, you know, what, what are we going to do with all the data? What are we going to do with all the video? Well, they figured that out pretty yes, quickly. And so now um, everyone is on the side of more transparency, which I would argue as a journalist is a good thing. But um, it is always somewhat surprising to hear a Republican governor uh, talk about that on his own accord during during such a, a highly watched speech. Yeah, basically trying to help police do their jobs better is basically what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Someone, you know, ardent police supporters may say you're you're infringing on their ability to protect the public. But and we'll see what the legislature does with that. Yeah. You know, what was not in the speech uh, a request for an income tax cut from the governor. Mm-hmm. No more increased gun regulations. No gas tax increase proposal. Remember that from a few years ago? How could I forget? His, his first, <laughs> well, which, which seemed like a major issue for him until COVID hit. Yeah, So and also no culture war references. Compare this speech to, say, Ron DeSantis' speech in Florida. Yeah. There was no, you know, taking on the woke mob. Outlawing DEIA programs. Yeah, talking about how girls sports are no longer safe and none of that of course mike dewine doesn't get into that crap anyway so um alleged crap i should say yeah um, i mean there was a you could argue that he wants an income tax cut by cutting state taxes on on people uh, who have children twenty five hundred dollar per child deduction yeah. for your state income tax not your federal income tax but still helpful still yeah. helps people lower their taxable income let's get into that as for the lawmakers in the room the speech got a pretty good reception from pretty much everyone Republican Senate President Matt Huffman endorsed Governor DeWine's proposals like eliminating the sales taxes on diapers and that $2,500 tax credit per child. Huffman says that credit could reverse Ohio's declining birth rate. There's a lot of 70-year-old baby boomers sitting in restaurants wondering where the staff is, and the answer is they weren't born for a lot of different reasons. So we really need to encourage people to have children. I love that. Matt Huffman's gray-haired old self is is using restaurants as um, the main face of this problem. Now, you have children. I do, yeah. My children are grown. So we both, at one point in our lives, made the decision to start a family. Mm-hmm. I can honestly say the sales tax on diapers and the lack of a $2,500 tax credit did not factor into our consideration. How, was it all about having another waitress at Applebee's? We weren't thinking that far ahead. <laughs> what a silly, what a silly thing to bring up. Whatever. I mean, it's a, it's, it's an aside, but it's just. I, that, he was serious. He says this could help Ohio's declining birth rate. I, I'm, I'm talking about the restaurant lack of workers in restaurants. I mean, never mind. It has things to do with working conditions and people screaming at workers. He thinks or this the is low because, pay of service. right. It's because of the the job. It's not because there's not enough people. And the declining birth rate is not because of a lack of a, a tax return in in April. <laughs> I mean, decline, there are a lot of reasons why the, the, the birth rate is declining, and the, the, you, you can also argue the reason why we don't have people working yeah. in restaurants is because of the immigration controls that have been in place for the past five or six years. Yeah, I mean, he does bring up an interesting point on the, on the potential problems of not having enough children, and, and I'm sure the cost of diapers does factor into a lot of people's choices on whether or not, maybe not diapers alone, but I mean, the cost of car seats, the cost of starting a college fund for your child, it's a really expensive thing, and it, it has to become your top priority when you have a kid, just the, it's the way it works, and sure, the cost of everything is pushing some people to not have children. And there is, a, I mean, in this age of remote work, I think the governor has gotten at this both in his inaugural address and his state of the state address, and, and Matt Huffman is, is basically what he's saying here is, Ohio needs to do more 
to attract young people to live here and keep the young people who are born here to continue to live here. And with remote work, that's an opportunity for Ohio. You can get right. a job in New York City and live in Ohio. So if you have a good tax structure here that, it, that encourages young families, that's a, that's a legitimate policy issue that should be debated. Huffman does make some good points. I just, I cannot stop laughing at him using Applebee's as, as, the, as the face of this problem. Uh, anyway, turning now to Democrats, uh, while not openly praising the governor's proposals, they certainly were fairly quiet in their criticism. House Minority Leader Allison Russo reminds everyone because Democratic House members gave the speaker his job, they will be a force in the upcoming budget discussions. What we have learned in the last couple of weeks is that you can get 50 votes with a combination of Republican and Democratic votes. I also love that Allison Russo uh, noted that some of Mike DeWine's more seemingly progressive proposals were the idea of Democrats last year. Yeah. Yeah, they were on board with a lot of what, what sure, he had to say. Sure, they were. It was their idea. We'll have to see how much of a voice Democrats have because Jason Stevens still could say, we're just, we'll just cobble together a majority from the Republicans who didn't support him as speaker with the ones who did and get the Republican positions passed through the budget. They may be, they might be able to ignore the Democrats if he can make peace with enough of the ones who voted for Derek Merrin, the, the state rep who uh, who was left at the altar uh, in the speaker vote. Yeah, it's going to make for some awkward uh, House Finance Committee meetings. It's going to make, make for some awkward uh, negotiations. But um, Alison Russo, you can still hear that smile in her voice they have a voice they have a voice and they will be a factor in this yeah i, I just derek Mer now the speaker jason stevens did not meet with reporters after the speech which may or may not be you know uncommon or unusual but derek Merrin certainly met with reporters after the speech and he said he looked forward to negotiating with the governor on the budget which house tradition legislative tradition is a bit presumptuous for one state rep to say he will have a seat in the budget negotiating table when it usually is the Speaker of the House well, who is at that table. Right, Derek Marin still insisting he is the true leader of House Republicans because, again, as we've said, he had the support of more Republicans in the Speaker's race than Jason Stevens did, but Jason Stevens had the support of all 32 Democrats. So um, you can't technically argue that Derek Marin has more power over Republicans, or certainly has the support of more Republicans in the old House than Jason Stevens, but... Jason Stevens has this gavel That's that right. he holds that gives him a lot of power that Derek Maron, try as hard as he might, he does not have that gavel. Yep, as long as uh, Stevens can keep that coalition together between the, the two dozen or so, it's kind of actually grown to almost 30, I think, based on some early votes, and the Democrats. If he can keep that coalition together, then it will be Speaker Stevens who is truly in charge of the Ohio House. Anyway, we'll be right back. Race might be a hot topic right now, but for so many of us, talking about race is nothing new. On the Code Switch podcast from NPR, we go beyond the headlines and we go deep. Listen now. Welcome back to Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media. A topic now that, quite frankly, we did not plan to talk about this week. Homeschooling in Ohio caught the nation's attention this week when Vice and the Huffington Post were the first to report that some parents of homeschooled kids were using neo-Nazi educational materials. You can't, can't write this stuff. You can't make this stuff up. The materials were reportedly made by a couple from Upper Sandusky who ran the Telegram Messenger channel Dissident Homeschool. The lesson plans being supplied reportedly included anti-Semitic conspiracies, cursive lessons using Adolf Hitler quotes, 
and racist and inaccurate content about Martin Luther King Jr. The Telegram channel had a lot of subscribers at one point, but has since been deactivated and its existence swiftly condemned by elected officials in Ohio. However, there has been some disagreement as to how to address this issue going forward. Yeah, Democratic lawmakers, they worry that this curriculum was the result of weak homeschooling regulations and warn that pending legislation relaxing homeschooling regulations even further could be dangerous. Some Republican lawmakers have pushed back on that claim, saying that, quote, a couple of sociopaths should not determine a drastic shift in homeschooling legislation. It so goes strange. to the, so the, strange. the arguments against homeschooling is that there really are no regulations. So homeschooling is on its own. That, that's how it's meant to be. It's meant yes. to be free from the influence of the government. It's meant to be done in private homes. This is obviously an extreme example, but it does highlight some of the potential problems. Yeah. I mean, how do you make sure that the students are learning what they need to learn if they're being taught at home? And there are some standards. I don't, I'm not an expert by far, but my wife was homeschooled at one point. I do know that there are, I mean, it's, it's pretty low regulation, but it's, there are packets you have to mail in. There are some, some standards that you have to meet in, in regard to the state. Yeah. But it, it raises a lot of questions about the oversight of homeschooling and should there be more this is an extreme example. And this, this could still be happening. I mean, this couple is, is surely still neo-Nazis. I mean, there's, this did not this did not have them see the light. This is still happening, and presumably the 2,500 people who subscribe to this channel to get these neo-Nazi educational materials are still doing this. This yeah. just and this was, this this sort of pushed it back into the shadows. This is an extreme example, but how are students who are homeschooled taught about evolution? How yeah. are students who are homeschooled taught about the separation of church and state? Things like that, which... They're probably not in most cases, or many cases we don't know. anyway. That's, right. that's the bottom right. line. We don't yeah. know, and regulators don't know, and that's just the system that we have right now. Time now for our Snollygoster of the Week segment, where we honor the shrewdest politician or political move of the week. It seems like so long ago, but remember the 2022 U.S. Senate race? It began with the nasty Republican primary in which J.D. Vance prevailed, thanks largely to the endorsement from former President Donald Trump. Then Trump campaigned for Vance in his campaign against Democrat Tim Ryan, endorsing him again. Eh, kind of. And then the New York Times did a fake story today, big front page, that J.D. wasn't sure if he wanted my support. J.D. is kissing my ass. He wants my support. So I'm 18 points up. If I was 18 points down, he wouldn't want my support. I'll tell you, Jim Jordan wants my support, and he's doing just fine. Jim Jordan is doing just fine. He's all, yes, over, he all over the TV and radio right now. Well, barely a month into office, J.D. Vance has returned the favor, endorsing Donald Trump for president in 2024. Vance says Trump's policies were good for America, and he deserves a chance to govern again. Certainly a far cry from, um, I can't stomach Donald Trump, and he may be the new Hitler. America's Hitler is what he calls it. Oh, America's Hitler, sorry. Yes. Yep, but you had to expect that, um, and he, he made his endorsement early, Yeah. and the race is underway. Yeah, there's no way he wouldn't do this. No. Yeah. That would be the news if he endorsed, like, Ron DeSantis right away. <laughs> that would that would be the news. But he would get the wrath of Donald Trump. That will do it for this week's edition of Snollygoster, which is part of the NPR Network. As always, please leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. And word of mouth is great, too. Just tell your friends about us. For our student producer, Katie Genius, our audio producer, Eric French, and our web producer, Michael DeBonis, I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson for Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media.